Welcome to another episode, and what's good everybody, it's your host Jai Shields, welcoming you in to another episode of the Amatelic TIS Podcast here on this weekend of uh, Saturday, December the 10th, the year, excuse me, December the 11th, the year 2021, got lots to do, lots to talk about here on this weekend program, we will get into and recap the wild madness that took place in Minneapolis between the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Minnesota Vikings on Thursday Night Football. We will preview the marquee matchups and was really a very good Week 14 in the National Football League. Get into that and, of course, give my picks against the spread. And we will, of course, eulogize and memorialize the uh, wide receiving great for the Denver Broncos and had a cup of coffee with the Houston Texans and the New England Patriots. And Demarius Thomas, who passed away on uh, Thursday, uh, December the 9th, at age 33, about, uh, about uh, what, f- two weeks, a little, uh, about two weeks and a day away from his, uh, what would have been his 34th birthday on Christmas Day. We will for sure get into that tragic news as the uh, program moves along. But first things first, get to the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Minnesota Vikings uh, and what an absolutely wild, crazy game that was. Uh, Two takeaways, or a couple of takeaways from it. We'll do the Vikings side first, then do the Pittsburgh Steelers game second. From a Vikings standpoint of things, if you're a Vikings fan, although you won the game, you have to be... Livid and just not beating your head up against the against the wall of whatever room you watch the game in, or if you draw or if you went to the game pounding your head up against the steer up against the steering wheel on the car ride back home, because although you won the game, that game was way too close, way too interesting, and way too chaotic. For for the game to be an absolute complete bore, utter domination and snooze fest with the Vikings getting out to a twenty nine to nothing lead to begin the game middle up until you know middle of the third quarter. Game was way way too close, way too tight, way too competitive. And you know, this is the issues that the Minnesota Vikings have had all season long. Whether you go back to the whether you go back to the Bengal game when they you know Dalvin Cook fumbled and they lost on the Evan McPherson Evan McPherson game winning field goal in overtime week one. The week after that Greg Joseph who uh, missed the kick in their game t- in their week two loss, which would have won them the game uh, when they lost to the when they lost to Arizona by one in week two. Uh, you go back to uh, you go back to Cleveland when their offense was just absolutely inept and gave Minnesota time after time after time chance after chance after chance to win that game and they and they only mustered to score seven points and lost the game 14-7, lost the game by one touchdown. You want to go to the you want to go to uh, 
you want to go to the Dallas Cowboy game. We had Cooper Rush, who played that game in relief of an injured deck. Prescott with a calf injury marched down the field in the closing seconds of the game against Dallas on uh, Halloween night. Marched down the field. Cooper Rush to CeeDee Lamb back in the end zone. And Dallas won that game 20-16. to You want to talk about that game? You want to talk about how they had the game won and had Baltimore dead the rights until they let Baltimore back into the game. Sent it in. Baltimore sent it into overtime. Lamar Jackson and the Ravens on their opening possession of the overtime period. He throws the interception to give uh, to give Minnesota decent field position to go down the field. Set up Greg Joseph to kick a game winning field goal. They give the Ravens the ball right back, and they lose to the Ravens by a field goal in overtime on November the seventh. You want to go back to uh, you want to go back to San Francisco, a game they also should have won when they lost to San Francisco, thirty four twenty six. When Kirk Cousins, you know, didn't line up under the center, he lined up under his guard. I mean, and then you want to go as recent as to last Sunday when they uh, when they kept the Lions in the game and their defense absolutely imploded and made Jared Goff look like his 2018 uh, self under McVay under McVay's watch when the Rams went to Super Bowl 53. So you go through you go down the list of 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 uh, of the Minnesota Vikings games this season. And they have even in games that they've won, you know the uh, the pa- the Packer game when they beat the Packers thirty four thirty one, when they beat uh, when they beat Carolina in overtime thirty four twenty eight, when they beat Detroit the first when they beat Detroit the first time they played in overtime uh, at Detroit on uh, October the tenth. So even in games that the Vikings have won, they still find a way to uh, to keep their fans on edge and to. Uh, increase their heart, increase their uh, heart level, and increase their pulse tenfold because this team, you know, loves making things interesting. They love playing the entertaining, edge of your seat type of football game, and they also in and in games that they that they blow, they don't know how to cl- they don't know how to close the deal. There is no excuse and no reason in the world why Minnesota, who was up. Who uh, had Dalvin Cook run over? Uh, run over. I can give you the stats here uh, in just a minute. But there's no reason why Minnesota, who was up twenty nine, who was up twenty nine to nothing, tw- okay, twenty nine to nothing, uh, to about a little more than a halfway point, uh, the halfway point of the game. No reason in the world why they allow uh, Pittsburgh to come back and they only won that game by eight points. I mean that is just that that that's horrendous, horrendous. Horrendous, horrendous, horrendous football. Okay, that that that's unacceptable. And Dalvin Cook, I mean the holes, and you know Minnesota Vikings offensive line is okay. It's not great. You wouldn't have known it. Uh, you wouldn't have known it considering by halftime Dalvin Cook on fourteen carries had already ran. This is at halftime now, in which the Vikings at that point in time were up twenty three to nothing. By halftime, Dalvin Cook. Had 150 yards on the ground, two touchdowns on 14 carries, and for and and, and the Vikings allowed the Steelers to creep in to within to within eight, but you know with with a with a chance to with a chance to tie the game up and to send it in, into overtime on the Steelers' final possession. That's unacceptable. And if you're a Viking fan, you know it's 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 more it's more the same with this team, and it, it goes to show also that you know. That uh, Mike Zimmer has no business 
No, and I and, and listen, I'm a Mike Zimmer fan. He's a former Cincinnati Bengal defensive coordinator. I like his, uh, you know, I like his, uh, I like his style of, you know, how I like his, uh, his no nonsense type of personality. The fact that you know he doesn't, the fact that he isn't that that cheery, happy go lucky kind of guy. I like that about him. I've always been a Zim fan. But, you know, and I hate to say this, but but the time's come. The writing is on the wall for Mike Zimmer, even though they won this game. This should have been, you know, you know what this game should have been? This game should have been a repeat of, of Steelers-Bengals from two weeks ago. The halftime score between the Beng- between the uh, between the Bengals and the Steelers two weeks ago was thirty one seven, or excuse me, thirty one to three. Final score of that game was was four, was forty one ten. Final score of the of Thursday night's game should the final score of Thursday night's game should have been should have been forty should have been forty two three. And and of how. Minnesota struggled in the first half, you know, not being able to capitalize on with a short field, not being able to put the ball in the end zone when they're uh, when they're threatening inside the Pittsburgh's thirty yard line and further and further down. Minnesota really should have scored about fifty points on Thursday night, all things being considered. And they and they and they should have had about like thirty five. They should have had thirty five close to halftime, and they didn't. But but Zimmer has to go. You know it reflects on a head coach. You can't blame ownership. You can't blame the GM because the Minnesota Vikings have a talented roster that's good enough to make. To, that's good enough to play in the playoffs. Kirk Cousins, all things being fair, fair and equal to him. Now does now does he stink on Monday Night Football? Yes. Is he historically not good in prime time? Uh, you know, after uh, after eight o'clock on Sunday night, Thursday night, Monday night. No, he is not. But you got to give him credit where credit is due. Kirk Cousins has had an amazing season so far this year. Three over th- he's got over three hundred three. He's got over 3,500 passing yards, 3,569 to be exact. He's got a completion percentage of 66%. He's averaging 7.5 yards a pass. He's thrown 27 touchdowns and only 5 interceptions. I mean, Kirk Cousins has had has had one of his best seasons of his NFL career. And I'm no Kirk Cousins fan, and I've sat up here on this program and have ripped and destroyed and rightfully critiqued Kirk Cousins many a time. And again, rightfully so. But you got to give him credit. He's had one. He didn't have a great game last night. He didn't have a great game last night. He tried to give the Steelers the game with a couple of bonehead with a, with a couple of bonehead interceptions throughout the sequence of the Pittsburgh comeback. And you know, fourteen for thirty-one, two hundred and sixteen passing yards is not exactly. You know, he didn't necessarily look like Fran Talkington in the game on Thursday night. But throwing Thursday night out because that game essentially was won by uh, Osborne and Justin Jefferson taking advantage. Of the uh, of the of the inept Steelers secondary and Dalvin Cook running through these big ginormous holes that you know, as my uh, theater uh, teacher would say all would, would say all the time, if we were practicing to do a musical number back in middle school, she'd say all the time, "Look at it, this hole so big, I, I could drive t- I could drive ten uh, trucks through there." 
and it's funny, and it's and it's funny because I because I heard her saying that in the back of my mind watching the Minnesota Vikings and Dalvin Cook's rushing attack the other night. They they could have drove they could have drove about ten semis through the, through the big holes that the Minnesota Vikings offensive line uh, did a phenomenal job of producing for Dalvin Cook. The Pittsburgh Steelers uh, defensive front was non-existent. They did not sack Kirk Cousins not one time. Dalvin Cook had a complete field day. Twenty-seven carries, two hundred. 105 rushing yards, two touchdowns in the game. And when Dalvin Cook, you know, found holes and, you know, and found open field, he, you know, he, he would get chunk plays out of them. 10, 12, 13, 15, 17, 20, 30 yard rushes. He was absolutely phenomenal on Thursday night. But getting back to the Vikings, you know, changes got to be made because, again, Talented roster. Dalvin Cook is one of the best running backs in all of football. Albeit you had no Adam Thielen, but Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson are two of the best wide receivers in the NFL as of this moment in time. And Kirk Cousins has had an absolutely career year. You know, if if going off of Kirk Cousins' stat line for the season alone, the Minnesota Vikings should A be in first, should A hold a play, currently hold a playoff spot, B be first place in their division. I'm not going to hold that against them because they play in the same division as the Green Bay Packers. And yes, they did beat the Green Bay Packers, which just goes to show how good, how how much potential, just how much talent is on this team. Because you go look, because you go look back at all the teams that they've played this year, they've been able to hang. They've been able to. Now I understand they lost to the, they lost to the Lions, but they've been able to hang with the big boys of the of the NFL season in 2021. The Bengals currently hold a playoff spot. They took them to overtime. Arizona Cardinals have the best record in all of football. They lost they lost that game by a hair, lost that game by one lousy point in week 2. Uh, the uh the Dallas the Dallas Cowboys they hung with for good. Now they now that was a game they absolutely should have dominated Dallas right from the opening kickoff. But they but they hung with Dallas a good bit on Halloween night. They took the Ravens who are eight and four in first place in the AFC North. They took them to overtime and lost that game by a field goal. They beat the they beat the Chargers who currently hold a playoff spot in the AFC twenty seven twenty. They beat Green Bay a few weeks ago on November the on. November the twenty first by a field goal, and the you know so so they've had so the 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 Minnesota Vikings are not a team with a bunch of scrubs. You can't blame the GM. And you, now, do they have flaws? Yes, but every football team in the in the NFL, especially this year, has flaws. If if you want to truly dissect and and uh, and nitpick every single team's uh, every single team's shortcomings, but they've been able to hang with the big boys of their schedule this season. It's not. Like you know they beat up on the garbage and then they go up against the top tier level competition and they fold now they fold when it comes to having an opportunity for them to win the game when it's tight and close they fold by coming up short but you know they're not they didn't get smacked by green bay for you know 30 35 7 or or lose to the ravens by 17 points they're hanging with the big boys of both the afc and the nfc so they have tremendous talent and kirk cousins is quietly is having the best season of his NFL career. Dalvin Cook's running the football tremendously well. Matson is a nice number two as well. And then, of course, Justin Jefferson is just setting and breaking every uh, every uh, rookie receiving, every, uh, not, every uh, not rookie, but breaking every receiving 
every receiving record, especially Minnesota Vikings receiving record known to man. Uh, and, and you know, and the Minnesota Vikings are sit are sitting at a uh, six and seven. Now they're four and two at home, so they played decently at home this year. But they're sitting at six and seven, with all the talent they have on offense and a couple of decent playmakers they have on defense. Harrison Smith, the safety, who had two big sacks, uh, had, had two big sacks in the game on Thursday night. Uh, not not two. He had one. I he had a huge tackle for loss, and he had a, and he sacked Roethlisberger. But he had a he had a very nice game on Thursday night, and a couple and mixing with him and Anthony Barr, they had a, they have a couple of good players on defense, and they're sitting at six and seven. In my eyes, that falls on the head coach, not the GM, not the owner, not scouts, not anybody, not not Kirk Cousins even, falls on the coach. With all the talent and the potential that this team has, and their ability to hang with the with the top dogs of the of of this twenty twenty one NFL season, they should be better than six and seven. They should be better than six and seven, and 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 their ability to to blow games at at, at the you know during during final drives, whether it be Detroit on Sunday, losing games in overtime because of the ill because of the ill timed ill advised uh, mistake, Greg Joseph not being able to kick field goal. How he's on the roster, I have no idea. Missing a, missed a, a few kicks last night. How he's still on the roster, I have no idea. You know, you 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 miss. A, and I understand. You know, middle. The season, you don't want to be scrambling around for a kicker. So you know maybe that's a better move to make after the season is over. But still, you cannot have a kicker that 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 is allergic to making clutch kicks, whether it be PATs or potential game time or game winning figures. You can't have him lingering around on your roster the way that the Vikings have essentially all season long. You can, you you cannot have that. You you got you got to cut bait with them and get a kicker that can that can make some clutch kicks. When games are on the line, and Greg Joseph is not the answer. But going back to my original point, falls on Greg if Greg Zimmer. It falls on uh, on Mike Zimmer, the head coach. Does when when you when you when you continuously fail at closing games, keeping teams in it, a la the Lions back on Sunday, and 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 he's supposed to be a defensive mind, defensive head coach, and their defense collapsed the way they did against the Lions, and and a lot of the Steelers get back into the game after after the Steelers offense had zero answers for Minnesota through the first two quarters of the game. That's unacceptable, and that strictly falls on a head coach. Not Cousins, not the GM, not the Wolf Brothers. Falls on it falls on Zimmer, the head coach. And if I'm a, and if I was a Viking fan, although you won the game, it was like it, it shouldn't have been this competitive, and it shouldn't have been this difficult. Twenty nine nothing. Put the stake through them. Put the dagger in their hearts and finish them. Especially if you're a Viking fan, so they can allow you. If you weren't at the game, allow you to go to bed early, so you can get up at a decent, so you can get up and get a you know a certain a certain and a decent amount of sleep, uh, pre- preparing to go to school or work the next day. But anyway, I digress. Another team uh, standpoint is the Pittsburgh Steelers, and you know the Steelers who are dominated, who were over, who were overwhelmed on Thursday night. They, you know, Terry Bradshaw said it at the at the uh, on the Fox halftime show. You know, they lacked their offense, lacked energy, they lacked heart, they lacked hustle. They were they were they were dead. 
They, they, you know, they they were like they were like zombies on the football field. No energy, just lethargic. Was pathetic, and their offense sleepwalked for about two and a, and their offense sleepwalked for two and a half quarters. Slept walk, slept walked. Offensive line was absolutely atrocious. Ben Roethlisberger was sacked five times in the game on on Thursday night. Five times. Five times. Offense couldn't do a damn thing. And and as for their defense, I understand TJ Watt with the groin all that sort of stuff. I don't want to hear it. The the fact that the fact that this offense, the fact that this offense has been this putrid against the run. Is 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 embarrassing. Is a is it's embarrassing. It's pathetic. It is sad, and it is just an absolute complete waste of time. They are a disgrace to the great Steeler defense that came before them. The Steel Curtain. The Steeler defenses with James Ferrier, Ryan Clark, Palomalu, uh, Joey Porter, uh, James Harrison, Brett Kiesel. You name it. Guys, guys, guys from my lifetime, this, this, the Steeler, the defense, the Steeler defensive players that I grew up watching. I, I'm obviously was way too old for, for Mel Blunt and, and, uh, for Mel Blunt and, uh, and, uh, and, and Green and, um, and LC Green, all those other guys. I'm obviously too young for that. My version of the quote-unquote steel curtain that I grew up watching with 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 uh, with Joey Porter, Brett Kiesel, uh, James Harrison, a linebacker, uh, Farrier, also his partner in crime at the linebacker position, and the secondary locked up with with uh, with with uh, with William Gay and 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 Ryan Clark with Palomar at safety. I mean, they they embarrassed all of those guys on Thursday night with their defensive performance, and again. If the Viking, if the Vikings were, were were a little bit more of a well-oiled machine, they should have dropped fifty on the Steelers on Thursday night, and should have dropped and should have dropped about thirty-five by halftime. Steelers defense was just absolutely inept and was pathetic. Again, one, again, they allowed they allowed Dalvin Cook fourteen carries, one hundred and fifty yards, two touchdowns by halftime. That is all you need to know. And again, you know, everybody sits there and tells me, well, Claypool's not the issue, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster. I hear all these people making excuses for him. Oh, it's not on Tomlin. Enough with the excuses. Here's the bottom line. I understand that that that, that in the end, these guys are, are grown men, and they got to make the and make decisions. They got to be smart and got to think for themselves because it is their own lives. You know, these aren't you know Tom's a head coach, he's not a babysitter. But the fact that Mike Tomlin still allows his players, whether it be Antonio Brown, whether it be Le'Veon Bell, whether it be Juju Smith Schuster, and in this latest case. Chase Claypool, the fact that he allows his players to run rampant and to essentially walk all over Tomlin, his teammates, 
disrespect and embarrass the organization and the fan base. The fact that Tomlin is still allowing this crap after all the garbage and the foolishness and the circus and the dog and pony show that went on the last couple of seasons during Le'Veon Bell's and Antonio Brown's uh, tenure with Pittsburgh is an absolute disgrace. And this is why, and this is also part of the reason why that never finished a season with a with an eight and eight record or worse is 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 a little overrated because yeah okay fine he's he has to deal with all the in house distractions yet he never finishes with a with a uh, with a losing season that's impressive but at what cost yeah you may finish eight and eight nine and seven ten and six but at what cost do you do you make the playoffs. When you do make the playoffs, do you win playoff games? And do you go to slash win a Super Bowl? See, all of that, all of that's fine and dandy and ultra impressive and you know, all if you want me to to, to wave the pom poms and do cartwheels over that, fine. You know, you know what would impress me? If 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 all this foolishness was going on and Pittsburgh somehow, some way found a way to win the Super Bowl, or at least go to the Super Bowl, or I would even settle for going to the AFC championship game. A place Pittsburgh has not been since 2016. The Super Bowl, a place Pittsburgh has not been since 2010. A playoff game, something that they have not done since 2015. And that is fact. The fact that Chase Claypool, for one, does that stupid, immature, uh, infantile celebration where he tries to, we tries to point and stick his finger and stick his hand into an opponent's face when he makes a catch. A that's a that's ultra annoying. Okay, if I was playing against Claypool, he's got one time to do that to me, and either two or things, two or two things going to happen. I'm gonna either try to break his hand or break his wrist. Or I'm a or I'm a pimp slap him. With, even if he's got his helmet on, fine. Or I'm a pimp slap him across the face. Make sure he gets the message. Followed followed by a nice, uh, health, healthy heaping of of a of a good old fashioned Jai Shields cuss out. If he if he did it, he's got. If if I was in the NFL, a defensive back, he's got one time to do it to me, and he'll be sorry that and he'd be sorry that he did it. That's annoying. It's childish. It's infantile. Stop doing it. That's the first thing. You know, it, in, in the Bengal game, he caught a nice catch on a third and long. The game, it was like 41. I think it was 40. I think this was, I, this might have been the drive Pittsburgh squad there. Uh, first and only touchdown in the game in the fourth quarter. Uh, but late in the sec, but late in the second half, Cincinnati had been up. I think like forty-one-three, something like that. Chase Claypool makes a tremendous catch and then has the 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 temerity, the audacity, the chutzpah, and the unmitigated gall to get up and start talking crap. I think either it was Mike Hilton or a Wuzier who was covering him. One of the two. But he but he caught the ball. It was a nice catch. Given that, kept the kept the change moving, kept the drive alive for uh, Pittsburgh, and got him into play territory but but Claypool then sits up here and has the chutzpah to start talking crap hey Chase look up at the scoreboard it's 41-3 shut up shut up catch the ball get back to the line of scrimmage how you doing keep it moving on to the next play and good it was it was a nice catch but it, but the, but a the game was over. B his, B his team was getting his behinds kicked, and three he just looks like a, a a really immature, petulant child when he does stuff like that. Pay attention and get a clue, Chase. 
your, your, your team was awful, was getting their behinds kicked. We're getting embarrassed. Embarrassed. So that that I didn't I didn't bring it up two weeks ago, but it's funny during the course of last night that that uh, that instance popped into my head, and I said it when I was watching it, watching it on TV at the time. Like, shut up, Chase! You see me talking all this crap. Look at the scoreboard. What you put? So so the unnecessary, the unsportsmanlike conduct penalty early in the game. Tomlin sat him for that, and what does Chase Claypool do? He catches on a fourth and short. He catches a nice slant. He catches the ball on a slant pattern to keep the drive alive. The to keep the chains moving and to keep Pittsburgh uh, and the uh, and to keep Pittsburgh alive for at least one more set of downs. And what does Chase Claypool do? Catches the ball on a on a on a slant route, gets up and, and does the good old Michael Irvin first down notion. While while the while the clock is ticking and Pittsburgh has no timeouts left, clock is going tick 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 tick. No timeouts. Down by eight. Tick 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 and 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 Claypool decides to get up on his little soapbox and celebrate the fact that he caught his little lousy uh little uh measly uh I think it was fourth and three fourth and three slant conversion pattern and felt that he and felt that that at that point in time it was necessary for him to get up on his little soapbox in front of the nationally televised audience and flex and flex to the Lions defense or excuse me the Vikings defense. I mean, give me a freaking break! You know, wasting all the time, and then and then the center, and then the center Trey Turner is like, Chase, get your head, get your head out of your behind. We have no timeouts left. Come on, man, let's move, let's move. You know, trying to snatch the ball out of his hands, all this sort of stuff, and and you, and you know what it did? You know what it did? That that pass that pass play where uh, Ben tried to fit the ball and Friar Muth should have caught the ball. That was a perfect pass, beautiful pass by Ben Roxburgh. And give him credit; he had a he had a heroic a heroic second half in the game on Thursday night. All things being considered, but the Pittsburgh Steelers, if you think the Pittsburgh, if you think the Pittsburgh Steelers are are a playoff team or are going anywhere, you need your head examined. Uh, it was a fourth and one, not a fourth and three, and they had forty-two seconds left when the ball when the ball was when the ball was snapped when the when the fourth and one play was snapped. It had there was forty-two seconds on the clock. By the time they spiked the ball, spiked it at the at the Minnesota thirty-four. There was twenty-four seconds left. Waste wasted about what? Wasted about uh what? About ne- nearly twenty nearly a whole twenty seconds farting around. With the with the first with the first down nonsense, again Chase Claypool does Chase Claypool straight up and down does not get it. He doesn't get it. I don't know wh- whether he gets it or not. I don't know. That's for him. To, that's for him. That's for me to. That's for him to find out. But he doesn't get it. You have no timeouts left, Chase. Under fifty seconds left in the game, you're down eight. Have a bit, uh, have a sense of on-field awareness, self-awareness. Know what the heck is going on around you, and say, "Hey, I'm in a situation where if I catch this pass and 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 I keep the drive moving, I gotta catch the ball. If I'm tackled, get up from the ground, get the ball back to either our center or the closest ref." And line up on side so Ben can spike it with as little time going off the clock as possible, knowing that we don't have any timeouts left. You know that that's not that's not even necessarily what Hall of Fame players do. 
That's what football players do that have A, common sense, B, are selfless, C, have a sense of what the heck's going on around them, and D, are just what you would call fundamentally smart football players. You don't have to be Jerry Rice or Randy Moore. You don't have to be an all-time great uh, Larry Fitzgerald. You don't have to be an all-time great wide receiver or, or be enshrined in Canton to know that that was a stupid play. Okay, All it takes for you to, to not make the decision that Claypool made is just to be a fundamentally sound a fundamentally sound football player that has good on-field awareness in crunch time. That's all it takes. Not rocket science, not spitting at him. That's all it takes. Anybody, any football fan or anybody that's ever played sports, especially with, with, a, you know, with a clock of some sort, whether it be soccer, lacrosse, hockey, baseball, or not baseball, uh, football, basketball, unit, anybody that's ever played a sport in their life with a clock, Knows that knows that. Listen, you don't have to be. You, know, you can't sit up here and say. You can't sit up here and say. Well, how do you know you've never been an NFL wide receiver? Never played in the NFL. That's that's irrelevant. That's irrelevant. Okay, I would know. I would know that if I catch a pass, especially on a fourth and on on fourth down, nevertheless, if I catch a pass on a fourth and short, especially if it's a quick little screen pattern, and I have no timeouts left, there's less than, there's less than fifty seconds on the clock, and my team's down by eight, needing a touchdown just to keep me alive, and especially not a field goal. I know that as soon as I I'm, I'm sitting there while I'm lined up, I'm like, if the ball comes to me, I catch it, get down. As fast as I possibly can, give the ball to either the center or the closest ref, whoever's closest, immediately get up and line up on sides so we can spike the ball. That's not that's not being an NFL player or being a Hall of Fame player. That's just that just takes sheer intelligence and common sense and a sense of on field slash self awareness. And the fact that this clown still does not get it when he's almost wrapped up his second season in the NFL is downright shameful, embarrassing, alarming, and if you're a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, quite concerning. It's not, it's, not, it's not about the team. It's not about the offense. It's not about the Steelers fans watching on TV. It's not about Tomlin. It's not about my coaches. It's not about the GMs, the, 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 you know, the front office, the GM, and the, and the Rooney family, the owners that signed my paychecks. It's not about them. It's about me. I caught the ball. I made the play. I want to show you that, that it's first down. Keep those chains moving, Chain Gang. Chain Gang is moving. You need to be moving too. Catch the ball, get up from the ground, get your caucus lined up onside so Ben can spike the ball. Not rocket science, man. It's not rocket science. You don't you don't have to be Lynn Swan to know this. Or or you don't have to be Lynn Swan in order for you to ex execute something so freaking simple. And again, this is also a reflection on Tomlin. Because who is teaching these guys this? Who is preaching these points home to these guys that this type of that this type of juvenile foolishness will not be tolerated? It's about well, let's play music and practice. Bullcrap. 
music in practice. No, what you need to be doing is practicing your two-minute drills on what you should and should not do if the ball comes to you and there's less than 50 seconds on the clock. You need a touchdown to either tie or win the game and you have no timeouts. Worry about that instead of TikToks and put playing music in practice and all this other stupid asinine nonsense that Chase Claypool has for whatever the reason got his mind and 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 and, and his attention caught up on. Nobody cares. But that has just been a... That little couple second in, instance with Claypool that sums up the Pittsburgh Steelers under Tomlin's watch since 2016-2017 in a nutshell. A, a bunch of egocentric, me, self-absorbed, arrogant... Stupid players caught up in me, myself, and I instead of the Pittsburgh Steelers organization and being selfless and doing whatever it takes for that for for for, for the team that they play for and their teammates to win games. That is the that is the 2016 slash 17 up to 2021 Pittsburgh Steelers in a nutshell that is a microcosm of what has plagued this team for the last five six years to a freaking t to a t and the idea that claypool gets up there and after the game and, and essentially throws his lineman under the bus is also as weak as gutless is is it's pathetic it's 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 immature, infantile, and and and, and disgraceful, and 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 pretty freaking lame. Show some where where is your accountability at? Stop shifting blame. Stop passing the buck. Roethlisberger, that's you. You're a seasoned veteran, been with the franchise since 2004. You're the quarterback. You pull Chase off to the side and say, "Hey, you pull that crap. You pull that crap while I'm your teammate." You pull that crap again in a do or die situation one more time. Me and you are gonna, me and you are gonna have words. Cause if it was me, I'm pulling Chase Claypool to the side by the face mask and saying, "Listen, you pull, you pull that sugar honey iced tea on this on 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 a football field with my feet on it again. You will be sorry." And if I'm Tommen, I say the same thing to him. And I say, Chase, you got one more, you got one more, and I'm throwing a couple of expletives in the mix for effect too. Chase, you got one more MF in time to, to screw up or do something stupid and immature again, or your hind parts is getting the pink slip, and I'll have you out there on the waivers so fast won't know, you won't know what hit you. And I'd say also, I could also give two horse crafts, whether whether it's the holiday season or not. If that means if I got to cut your behind at 11.59 on Christmas Eve, I will do so. It's enough. It's enough. It's it's tired and it's, it's, it's getting real old real fast. It's, it's enough. Enough.
You know, Cousins throws an interception to uh, to Witherspoon with 2-11 in the third quarter. Pittsburgh's down 29-7. to And let's have the whole defense jog 80 yards the opposite direction to, uh, you know, to, 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 to take those lame, stupid pictures by, 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 by the game for Tigers in the back of the end zone. This 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 team has a major 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 cultural culture issue, and Tomlin needs to go. He he should have been going after the Brown game in January. He should have been going after the Jacksonville debacle in 2017. Should have been going after the team straight up collapsed on itself. You know after their uh, you know in 2018 when when they when they choked on the, when they choked on their own food. Tomlin needs to go. Period. End of story. Take a break. Just getting started. Good show here on the Amtelica TIS podcast. We're back in just a bit. Welcome back to the um, Telecom TIS podcast. Switching gears now to uh, something that unfortunate uh, news broke uh, in the National Football League on Thursday night. That is the fact that a wide receiver, uh, formerly of the Denver Broncos, Houston Texans, and the New England Patriots, Demarius Thomas, passed away at age 33, the four-time Pro Bowler. Uh, on a Thursday night, uh, his family says it's not confirmed yet what his cause of death is, but uh, his family has came out and said that that uh, he believe that they believe that he died uh, of a seizure alone at his home at a, 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 a alone at his home on uh, on Thursday seizure in the shower as of uh, his as of his cousin. Just a really, really, really sad and heartbreaking, heartbreaking story. Uh, you know, no foul play. You know, one. You know, illegal drugs or anything like that. He, you know, took he was at home, home alone, taking a shower, and he, you know, had a seizure and ended up passing away from it. It really. It's you know it's 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 really sad. It really it's really really sad. This is a guy that and we'll get to his uh, NFL accolades in a minute. But this is a guy who was born Christmas Day, nineteen eighty seven, in Montrose, uh, Georgia. Went to Georgia Tech. He was a twenty two. It was a twenty second overall pick in a two thousand and ten draft. Uh, he grew up with a grew up had a rough childhood growing up as a kid. You see all of his teammates: Tim T, Tim Tebow, uh, Tim Tebow, Peyton Manning, 
just all all the teammates that he teammates and friends that he whether it's for whether it's former players or members of the media that he uh that he developed relationships with everybody was positively every single person that he came into contact with was positively impacted by a by a Demarius Thomas you hear stories of his ex teammates especially a lot of whom obviously uh, from the Denver Broncos saying, hey, there's not, a, there's not a guy that I would trust more with my kids and was more friendly with my kids and was more of a father next to them, of course, to my kids than, uh, you know, DT, Demarius Thomas. Uh, uh, Tyler Polamus uh, tweeted out uh, Demarius Thomas sat with his son during uh sat with his son uh, during the plane ride home from from uh the uh, home from Super Bowl 50 uh, he uh, had his son sit on it sit on Demarius's lap on the on the bus uh, carried him and hoisted him on the fire truck during the parade and celebrated with him as if he was his own child uh you hear uh Lindsay Jones she tweeted out about how Demarius Thomas was a kind man, always smiling. Con Uncle DT to uh, so many of uh, so many uh, kids, and was always uh, thoughtful and sincere in the professional relationship. You know, he he was just well known and well popular with uh, with with teammates, media members. Yeah, I'm looking at a picture right now of. Uh, I believe that was one of Peyton Manning's children. I don't know which name, but there's a picture of Demarius Thomas pushing around. I believe it's Peyton's kid who's got the, this is after the uh, post-game celebration when they won the Super Bowl, pushing around Thomas's kid in a little, in a little blue cart in the locker room. Uh, it's a really, really sad story. Sad story of Demarius Thomas. Uh, passing away it's just oh it's it's it's, it's gut-wrenching it really really is gut-wrenching uh you know he just you know i know i didn't know the guy obviously didn't meet him saw him of course played many a times which is why when i found out that he was dead it was you know not quite to the not not quite the way kobe was it was kind of like you know holy crap because, because you know, you remember watching him catch passes from Peyton Manning, you know, as if it was yesterday, and you know, you think, and you know, you think, especially when you when you when you're a member of the younger generation, and you know, you you learn the sport of football, and you learn sports in general, and you watch old games and watch classic games, and you Google them up, and you see, you see, you know, that guy has passed away, that person's passed away, that person, that person, that guy, that guy, that guy, that guy, that guy, that guy. And, and it seems like, at least to me, it seems like Super Bowl 50 was so, was, was not that long ago. I don't know whether it's I don't know whether it's the fact that it happened in 2015. I don't know it's because of the fact, of course, the last few weeks Cam Newton rejoined the Carolina, but it feels like it was such a short time ago, a short time ago, and and already one player that was on its Super Bowl championship team is is you know, is no longer with us. I mean. I mean, I don't know how you look, how you guys look at it out there listening, but that's a why you look at it. And it's like one that that game is only five was only five years ago, five years ago, and already one player from the two teams 
is 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 no longer with us. You know, Von Miller, Peyton, all the, all of his teammates. You un, un, understandably saw are going through a rough time right now. Uh, it's just it's hard. It's heartbreaking, man. Really, really is heartbreaking. He had a very nice uh, NFL career, of course. You know, who can forget? In the 2011 AFC wildcard game against the uh, defending AFC champion Pittsburgh Steelers at home. with, And that was when Tebow Mania hit its absolute peak. When he caught the game, win- when he caught the 80-yard game-winning touchdown pass, Tim Tebow to Demarius Thomas on the first play of overtime. Catches the ball, goes 80, goes 80 yards, to, goes 80 yards. Uh, to win the game for Denver to to move to to allow their miraculous season to see yet another week, they ended up getting destroyed by the Patriots uh, the Saturday after. But you know who can forget that he caught uh, he caught Peyton Manning's record-breaking touchdown pass, which at that point in time made him the all-time uh, all-time leader in passing touchdowns in the NFL. Uh, who can forget against the San Francisco 49ers on Sunday Night Football? Can't forget that he's a four-time Pro Bowler, a Super Bowl champion, of course, in that 2015 Broncos team. Just to go through his uh, career uh, briefly, you know, 20 and 20 in 2012, his first year with Peyton Manning. Played all 16 games, uh, 94 receptions, over 1,000 receiving yards, 1,434 to be exact. Caught 10 touchdown passes on the season that year. Uh, 2013, all 16. Oh, you know, he every game, you know, 16 games, uh, 16 games he played in 2013, uh, and that was, of course, that was the first. Uh, Broncos Super Bowl that they were in, where the where that Broncos offense set all sorts of uh, all sorts of offensive records. Sixteen games, caught ninety two passes, uh, one thousand four hundred thirty receiving yards, caught fourteen touchdowns that year. Twenty fourteen, they went to the twenty fourteen. Trying to think, twenty fourteen, they went to the divisional round and lost to the Colts that year uh, at home. Sixteen games. Uh, caught 111 passes, a career high uh, in 2014 that year. 1,619 receiving yards, 11 touchdown catches in the game. 2015 didn't, you know, 2015 wasn't as dynamic as he had been in previous seasons, but still uh, yet another thousand yard receiving season. All 16 games, uh, 105 rece- receptions that year, six touchdown passes. Go to what he did. Uh, just go to what he did in the postseason. Um, Twenty thirteen, the first postseason, the uh, the first Super Bowl run that he and Denver had uh, in the three games he played. Uh, Twenty eight receptions, three hundred and six receiving yards, uh, average ten, about eleven yards per reception. Uh, caught th- uh, three touchdowns in the game. Twenty fifteen, uh, played the thirteen, played the thirteen, or excuse me. Played the three playoff games, uh, seven receptions, sixty yards. You know, didn't catch touchdown pass. wasn't gr- was not good under any circumstances during that twenty fifteen uh, conference. Ch- during that twenty fifteen uh, conference, uh, not conference, but Super Bowl championship playoff run. But so he was this a vital, uh, and that Super Bowl, of course, was won by their defense anyway. But still, was just a tremendous and vital part of their offense. Uh, throughout that 2015 season, I mean, just 
Oh, and uh, I don't know if you guys saw, but NFL, NFL, the NFL Network tweeted in honor of Demarius Thomas. They said that they will re-air that 2011 AFC wildcard game. Uh, when, when and it was a phenomenal game he had against Pittsburgh. Uh, they will re-air that game Saturday afternoon on the NFL Network. Um, matter of fact, let me pull up that. Uh, let me pull up that playoff game he had against Pittsburgh. Uh, I mean, look at the. I mean, look what a performance he had uh, in that playoff game against Pittsburgh. So, uh, four receptions, two hundred and four receiving yards, and of course, the game-winning touchdown at the end. Uh, and then, and and then that Seattle game, albeit that Seattle game, albeit uh, you know, it was a blowout and you know, garbage time numbers, but 13 receptions, 118 receiving yards, caught a touchdown pass in that Seattle blowout. But more importantly, look at his performance in the championship game against the Patriots in that 26 16 game, seven receptions, 134 receiving yards, and a touchdown catch in that 2013 AFC championship game against New England. Uh, and of course, uh, kind of faltered. Didn't have a great postseason in their in their championship year, of 2015, but still a hell of a player, nevertheless. Um, again, was going to turn 34 years old Christmas Day. Was beloved by all of his teammates. You saw Peyton Manning had tons of nice things to say about him. Tom Brady, although he was a New England Patriot for a very short amount, for a very very short amount of time, he made a tremendous uh, he made a uh, tremendous impact. On uh, on uh, on Tom Brady, who who tweeted out a nice, touching uh, touching tribute earlier this morning, uh, when he was with the Patriots for a short period of time in 2019. Also was the Jets too in 2019, which I didn't realize as well. Uh, two-time second-team All-Pro, first-team at AC All-ACC in 2009, four-time Pro Bowl, Super Bowl champion, 2015, career statistics, 724 receptions, over 9,000 receiving yards, uh, 63 receiving touchdowns, and uh, and from what you've heard from me, from uh, Denver Broncos uh, media members, media members that got to know him on you know that covered them on a national level and his and his teammates, ex play you know ex teammates uh, and players and friendships that he uh, created throughout his NFL journey. Uh, you just saw how how just beloved and and revered Demarius Thomas was across the entire. Uh, NFL landscape, and it's just a shame that, you know, such a young age, 33 years of age, and he just, you know, he's gone, you know, just goes to show you, you know, here today, gone tomorrow, tomorrow is not promised, and if we are, you know, and if we are fortunate to open up our eyes every single morning to see a new day, doesn't necessarily mean that we will see through that day and have an opportunity to put our heads to, uh, put our head to pillow to close out uh that's that uh, said day but you know appreciate life enjoy life to the fullest uh never take anything for granted leave nothing on the table live with as little to no regrets as you possibly can tell your friends and family that you love them that you appreciate them and uh when there are moments of uh, refuge and moments of enjoyment be sure to enjoy them and cherish them and remember them as 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 best and as long as you possibly can, because you never know 
when uh, the clock is going to hit triple zeros on your life and it could come at a mo and, and it could come at any moments it could come at a moment's notice and it's just super sad to hear that about the Marius Thomas uh, was a hell of a wide receiver I can tell you that uh, one of the best he he Stokely and of course that when Denver had uh Anderson out of the uh, C.J. Uh, Anderson, I believe that was his name, uh, out of the backfield and that, that potent rushing attack that the 2015 Denver Broncos had, um, he was he was as vital a part of the of that team as uh, as a uh, champ ba as Champ Bailey, Von Miller, and all the other Derek Wolf and all the players. On the uh, on the uh, on the defensive side of the football, just an absolutely talented team and a talented roster that they had. Yes, C.J. Anderson. I thought I was going to get the name. Yeah, Andre Caldwell, Eric Decker, Trendon Holiday, the great return specialist. Wes Welker also joined Manning and the boys as well. I mean, Damaris Thompson says Joel Dressen, the tight end, Virgil Green, Jacob Tammy. Uh, all got all those guys, but more importantly, and especially Marius Thomas was as as big as focal points to those Denver Broncos teams throughout the mid two thousand tens as as Brandon Marshall, Danny Trevathan, Champ Bailey, Mike Adams, uh, Von, and Von Miller were Chris uh, Chris Harris Jr., Derek Wolf, all of them, and it's a shame that he's no longer with us. Uh, very sad thoughts and prayers go out to his family, his friends, his ex-teammates, Peyton Manning, Brady, uh, uh, Von Miller especially, who I know he's hurting something terrible right now. Thoughts and prayers go out to his friends, family, and anyone else that knew him and, and, and in essence, at some point, way or another, was uh, affected for the greater good uh, for the rest of their lives by encountering and meeting Demarius Thomas, who was 33 years old.
Welcome back to the Umtillic TIU's podcast. Switch or is keeping with the NFL, but switching gears now back to the uh, events and the games and the matchups going on on the field. And that is a very packed and intriguing and exciting week 14 in the National Football League. Uh, forthcoming this weekend, we've got we've got got good games, good games. You know, the Thursday night game uh, was uh, was a very intriguing game. Turned out to be very good. Uh, you know, the Vikings, Viking, but but uh, it's still a good game, nevertheless. The Cardinals Rams game uh, should be excellent. Rams eight and four, uh, Cardinals ten and two, best record in all of football. Uh, that's the Monday night game of the week. Should be an excellent football game. Buffalo at Tampa, the 425 game of the week on CBS. Uh, you also got uh, you also got my Bengals going up against San Francisco 49ers at the 425 window as well. Uh, Dallas versus Washington NFC East division matchup with playoff implications as Washington currently holds the sixth seed in the NFC. Uh, playoff picture and is currently two games back of Dallas uh, for the division lead in the NFC East. Uh, that's a good, that's a fantastic football game as well to look forward to. And uh, Baltimore, Cleveland, the second time these two teams uh, go up against each other in three weeks. Uh, you know, Baltimore had the Steeler game in between. Cleveland, this in essence is a you know back to back games. Uh, against the Ravens, they played the Ravens uh, on that on Sunday night on the road. Thanksgiving weekend had a bye in between, had a bye week week thirteen, and then get off the bye going going up against uh, the same team again. Back to back games to go up against the Baltimore Ravens this time uh, on the lake uh, on the lake up in uh, northern Ohio as they play host to the eight and four Baltimore Ravens. Come Sunday afternoon, you know I'm not, you know the the, the two games that people that especially the media is going to try to gas up as big time football games that are the exact that are going to be the exact opposite. One is Vegas and the Chiefs. You know Vegas is six and six. They're they're you know slow. They they are a slowly sinking ship. They're done. They're through. They're finished. They're not making the playoffs. They're not winning the AFC West. They're done. They're six and six. Going to be six and seven. And plus, Kansas City's ten point favorites anyway. After they mopped the floor with them back in November, uh, so Kansas City's going to be nine and four. And uh, slowly but surely increase their first place lead in the AFC West while uh, Vegas uh, slips further and further into the abyss. Uh, so that's the game people are trying to hype up as one of the marquee matchups of Week 14. It's not, okay? It's not. Vegas Vegas lost to Washington last week. They've Vegas has, uh, as a matter of fact, let's look at Vegas here for a quick second. Vegas has dropped, what, about... Uh, Let's go back to the Giant game. So they have lost one, two, three. They've lost four out of the last five. They're six and six. They're not making the playoffs. I don't care. That's that. That's not a marquee game of the week of the week fourteen slate. I hate to piss on your bonfire of trying to jam Mahomes down our throats. And and another matchup that the media, as preferably NBC, is going to try to hype up as a big time matchup is the Bears against the Green Bay Packers. The Green Bay Packers, who are arguably the best team in football. 
one of the best teams in the AFC, a Super Bowl juggernaut who are undefeated at home this season at Lambeau, 5-0, and 9-3 in the 2021 season thus far, go up against the Chicago Bears and who has, who has, who, as Aaron Rodgers put it back in October, he always owns. He's all these years, all my life, I've owned you. You know, I own you. I still own you. So, you know, so, so that's not anything, you know, really intriguing. You know what? Aaron Rodgers beats, dominates, and destroys the Green Bay Packers, especially, or excuse me, the Chicago Bears, especially at Lambeau. In other, in other news, the sun rises in the east and sets in the west, and, and a full calendar year is 365 days, 366 if it's a leap year. I mean, give me a break. Uh, Green Bay Packers going up against the boring, the inept, the lethargic, the waste of my freaking time. Get this team off of my TV on Nash on nationally televised Monday night and Sunday night games, and the waste of my time. Embarrassing Chicago Bears. I mean, I, I I say it once, I'll say it again. This is another one of those get the Chicago Bears the hell off my TV type of games. They are four and eight on the season, two and four away from Soldier Field. Justin Fields is is uh, you know Justin Fields looks like he's going to be back to play this game. Whoop de do you know maybe it gives me maybe it gives me a reason to shut the game off you know at halftime rather than after the first quarter. This is this is an app. This is a terrible Sunday night game for NBC. NBC and Collinsworth and Cruz is going to try to hype up this game as a big time matchup. I I said I said it after Thanksgiving with lions and bears, and I'll say it again. You know the bloom is off the rose with the with with uh, with bears Packers. It is especially when the Packers do nothing but win and the Bears do nothing but lose in boring and embarrassing fashion. The bloom is off the rose with Packers Bears, especially after the 100th anniversary season of the NFL has now came and went. You know two years removed now. The Bears Packers at Lambeau in December is played out. It's played out. It's gotten old, you know, and and and, and it means nothing in the big picture. It means nothing. The bloom was off the rose. With it. I understand that when they're the two oldest teams in National Football League, one of the oldest rivalries in the sport. I get that, and, and you know, and the frozen tundra and intense uh, physical NFC North football. I get that in the fifties and the sixties, and oh, I've I've heard it. I've heard it. I know it's 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 enough already. It's enough. The Bears stink. They got they got eight. They got eight losses on the season. Eight losses. Eight. Eight losses. They're not making the playoffs. They're boring. They're boring to watch. They're a waste of my time. They're depressing to watch. Their offensive line is the equivalent of a bunch of turnstiles heading it heading into a movie theater. Uh, you know, they, they other than Justin Fields, they have little to no playmakers on the offensive side of the football. Their defense is falling off. Matt Nagy is a stooge who should have been fired two, three years ago. I'm so sick and freaking tired of watching the Chicago Bears on national television year in and year out, especially on Sunday night and Monday night football. Get for the love of all that is holy. NFL, one more time. Get the Bears off of my freaking TV. Get the Bears off of Sunday night and Monday night football. 
Nobody wants, even Bears fans don't want to watch the Chicago Bears play in prime time. I'm done. I'm sick of it. It's been there, done that, bought the 20 dozen other t-shirts. Enough with the Chicago Bears on prime time, especially against the Green Bay Packers. It's an, the, all, every single time I turn around, the Bears are playing the Packers and the Bears are playing the Rams in prime time. It's enough. Okay? I said it, I said it with the Bronco Chief game and I said it again. Just because, just because you get the one, just because you get the one great team in prime time with all the superstar talent, that doesn't make it for it to be a great game going in. Because all the talent, all of the superstardom, and all of the quote-unquote good football, and the good football team is all on one side. Chiefs last week, Packers this week. Doesn't make doesn't mean it's going to make out to be a great. Uh, make out to be a great football game because it isn't. Because it isn't. It isn't, and 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 and, and it, it isn't. In a perfect world, which you should have, it which you should have is. What you should have is the Bucks is the Bucks Bills game on Sunday night. This is prior to the schedule coming out, but the buck it should have been from the jump. Why back even back in the springtime they thought to put these two teams in prime time? I have no idea. It should have been Bucks Bills Sunday night game of the week. The four twenty five game that you send no, that you send Nance Romo and the crew to uh, should have been rate should have been Ravens Browns, and the and the number one marquee game of note. Should have been, uh, should have been, uh, Ken, Kansas City at Vegas or Kansas City or excuse me, Cincinnati at at uh, San Francisco, and what they should have did is flexed out of Bears Packers, flex in Forty Nine er. Now yeah, I understand it's stupid because they had to flex out the Forty ers and imagine against the Seahawks who stink, but flex in, but flex in Steelers. Flex in Steelers and Steelers, Bengals and 49ers. Get out of Packers and Bears, and go about your way accordingly. But nope, God forbid the NFL gives us actually a good football matchup going in, especially late in the season in prime time. They want to show us Aaron Rodgers nine thousand times as if Aaron Rodgers isn't on TV enough. The fact that he plays for the Green Bay Packers, the Green Bay Packers are a good football team. And the fact that, and also Aaron Rodgers is a recognizable, especially after this past month, a polarizing figure in the NFL that's going into the Hall of Fame. Green Bay, I mean, I mean, what we we didn't we haven't seen Green Bay Green Bay play enough this year in prime time. We 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 got to see him play the Chicago Bears. Get the Bears the hell off my TV, please. I'm begging you, NFL. It's enough. They're, they're, they're 12 Green Bay it's 12 and a half point favorites if if you go if you go to bed at halftime I guarantee you, you won't miss much hell uh, I'm, I'm, I'm even debating sitting down at 820 to uh sitting down at 820 to watch the game I may I'm I may, I may sit down watch watch the magnificent carry Underwood do her thing and either shut the TV off to go ahead and do something else or play man with my brother eh, or 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 you know watch the first quarter and first half and sh- and shut and shut it off at halftime. 
go to bed early, get some sleep. I mean, Green Bay and Chicago now? Really? Anyway. The Week 14 matchups that we should care about that are actually good. We will begin with the uh, with the Ravens-Browns game. Browns open up as three-point favorites against the Ravens. Of course, coming off of their... Cleveland coming off of their bye week. Their last game, of course was uh, that was uh, their uh defensive slugfest but uh, it uh, came in a loss on uh, the Sunday night of Thanksgiving weekend against the Ravens their last time out back in week 12 Ravens this is their third straight AFC North this is their third straight AFC North uh matchup of uh, of the season they you know already three weeks it's three weeks have gone by and Excuse me. By a by a four thirty Sunday afternoon, they have already wrapped up their season series with Cleveland, and they didn't even and they didn't play Cleveland until the final Sunday of the month of November. But three straight divisional matchups for Baltimore within the AFC North. Then they get a little bit of a break because they got to play the because they got to host the Green Bay Packers, which should be a fun game to watch. Uh, and then it's back to the AFC North. Uh, when it, two out of the last three games to wrap up the season are again are at Cincinnati against my Bengals the day after Christmas, and then on January 9th back in Baltimore against the Pittsburgh Steelers with uh, you know with Matthew Stafford and the LA Rams mixed in on uh, December or not December but January uh, January the second. But you know this is going to be an interesting matchup. You know Cleveland coming off of the you know. It's going. To, it's going to be tough. Going to be very, very tough to beat the same team. You know, to beat the same team twice in a two, three week period, especially because of how tightly contested and how close the two teams played each other. Uh, played each other back in week twelve, and the fact that Cleveland didn't have to worry about like the Ravens did, have to worry about preparing for an opponent in between. Uh, and then shift back their focus to uh, you know shift back their focus to playing each other again, which also falls into Cleveland's advantage because Cleveland played the Ravens, lost to them in a close one, had had a bye week, so they had a bye week in between, and then they played the same team again, and and it's a home game coming off of a bye, so all advantages point to Cleveland to win this game. Because I mean, because unlike the Ravens, they didn't have to worry about preparing for an opponent in between. They had a bye week, so it gives them two weeks in essence to prepare for their next opponent. And it's a home game coming off of a bye, which is a plus for Cleveland as well, who has actually, who has played quite well at home this season, four and two at First Energy Stadium up in Cleveland. Ravens are or a mere mediocre five hundred three and three away from the bank. Uh, on the road in the white unis so far this season. Meanwhile, the Ravens coming off a performance where their offense did not show up uh, for them up until the final drive against Pittsburgh on Sunday. Uh, were not you know could not run the football. Couldn't run the football. Lamar Jackson uh, was you know his many errant throws had a very 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 bad game against Pittsburgh on Sunday afternoon. Turned over the football left and right. Offensive line was the equivalent to a bunch of turnstiles. Pittsburgh got after Lamar Jackson, as we discussed earlier in the week. Uh, the uh, Ravens offense had zero answers, zero answers, for the uh, for the Pittsburgh Steelers' uh, pass rush and the Pittsburgh Steelers' defense on Sunday. 
uh, offense caught a little lightning in the bottle on that closing drive. The that on that closing drive to try to tie the game up, and then they fell short with a uh, with a bad Lamar Jackson throw to Mark Andrews that hit that. Mark Andrews and what's the ball hit off his hands for an incomplete pass and the Ravens ended up losing that game of course uh, on Sunday afternoon uh, in Pittsburgh. This is their second straight this is their uh, second straight road game for Baltimore. They go from Pittsburgh to Cleveland to take on Cleveland Cleveland uh, you know whose offense you know only, only put the ball in the end zone I believe one time uh, in their game against Baltimore two weeks ago Final score of that Baltimore game was 16-10. So Cleveland only put the ball in the end zone once. Uh, and on that debatable David Njoku, uh, on that debatable David Njoku reception, uh, and Cleveland's, listen, from a, Cle- from a defensive perspective from Cleveland, look at what they did with Baltimore. A lot of man coverage. Uh, a lot of man coverage. Stacked the box against them. May Lamar think on his feet. Had him scrambling, running for his life. Now, twice it came to a detriment when uh, when Lamar Jackson uh, hit up Mark Andrews for that for that uh, circus ca- for that circus catch uh, reception that set the that set the uh, Ravens up prior to their first touchdown of the game, and then a couple of plays later, Jadavion Clowney comes up the middle screaming. Uh, trying to get you know screaming in Lamar Jackson's face. Lamar Jackson quickly backpedals about like something about twenty yards. It felt like uh, all the all the final wide open Mark Andrews in the middle of the end zone to uh, get the Ravens on the board for the first time in the sec that during the second half early third quarter of their game on November the twenty eighth in which they beat Cleveland by six. So if you're Cleveland defense, if you're Cleveland defensively, you essentially don't change up a whole lot of what you did against them uh, t- two weeks prior. All you make sure that you do is that you don't give up the two bi- is that you don't give up the two big plays and make sure that you keep and make sure that Baltimore and and and, and you don't and you do not give up the two big plays that you gave up uh, Lamar to uh, Lamar to Andrews like you did in the early early in the uh, third quarter in the second half two weeks ago. That's essentially what you do. You you make sure if you're chasing you know the, the Davion Clowney especially. Who, who Lamar gave fits all night that night. You get your hands on Lamar Jackson. You best be sure that you bring that you bring us behind to the ground because if you don't, he's going to make you pay with you know he's, he's going to make you pay either with his legs or he's going to show off his arm strength. He's going to launch the ball sixty yards downfield and find Mark Andrews slide into your DMs make it, to make a circus like catch with with one of his arms pinned around his back and he's going to catch the ball and uh, propel some energy. Into what what can be at, at times a very energy energy less and a very lethargic uh, Baltimore Ravens offense, which has had immense trouble scoring points, as I detailed for you earlier in the week. But that should be I I essentially expect the same. I essentially expect the same offensive performance from a Ravens perspective, but I expect Cleveland. Who's had a who's had some time off with the bye week? Baker Mayfield, you know, stayed off his feet. Has gotten amp, has gotten as much rest time as you possibly can, essentially. You know, you know, with during a bye week, and with the Ravens, you know, essentially th- skinned or excuse me, thin skinned when it comes to their depth on the defensive side of the football, especially at cornerback. 
No Marlon Humphrey the rest of the season. I honestly expect Cleveland to win this game by no less than 17 points. I think this is this is a recipe for Cleveland that with two weeks off, by week in between, so they essentially had had two weeks to prepare for the same to to prepare for an opponent that they get that they are that they were fresh off of losing to. Again, no opponent to prepare for in between, like the Ravens had to deal with, uh, you know, against Pittsburgh with with also with travel mixed in as well. Browns do not have to travel. This game, of course, obviously is going to be played in Cleveland. Don't have to worry about that. I could see Cleveland winning this game by by no less than 17 points. No less. I expect them to run the football a lot better than they did. Uh, you know, a lot better than they did on November the 28th. Kareem Hunt, 20 carries, 20 yards on the ground. I expect them to run the ball tremendously better. Jarvis Landry had a hell of a night that night. Six receptions, 111 receiving yards. I expect him and Donovan Peoples-Jones to have a tremendous game. And I expect a, a big-time bounce-back game for Baker Mayfield in a passing attack for Cleveland. Uh, on Sunday afternoon, then from a Ravens perspective, it's just trying to it's trying to figure out to muster up you know more more than sixteen seventeen points. You know, can you give me twenty one, twenty three, twenty four? I'll be satisfied. Issue with the Ravens is they got to find a way to score some points, and I'd essentially wait until the eleventh hour for their offense to finally turn on the switch and start moving the ball downfield. But that's what you take away going into the uh, Ravens-Browns game. Cowboys versus Washington is another game to keep an eye on as well. Uh, Cowboys, you know, and I don't like Mike McCarthy getting up there in front of the media saying, you know, we, uh, in essence, guarantee, guaranteeing the fact that uh, Dallas will win this game. I don't like that because then you put your players in a difficult spot and you and you kind of push your players into a corner where they have no choice or a coach get, you know, went up to the media in front of the old world saying, you know, and that's guaranteeing that we're going to win this game and saying that we're going to win this game and you shouldn't have any doubts about the, uh, about us and this, that, and the other. So we better go out there and perform and play or else we as a team and coach is going to sit, is going to look like an East end of a westbound horse if we don't do so. So I don't like it when coaches essentially go when coaches go out there and guarantee vic and go out there and guarantee uh vi- guarantee victories especially to the media and especially when you go up against a dangerous team in Washington that is not to be taken lightly that is a feisty fierce competitive bunch that is playing complimentary football at just the right at just the right time of year. I I, I don't like that me personally. I don't like it. You know, when, when especially during this little run that Washington's been on, where they've essentially been kicked to the curb and have been underestimated, all for a te- all for them to come up from the, you know, all for them to come up and rise from the dead, and and punch the and punch their opposing teams in in the proverbial mouth and shock the world and you blink and all of a sudden they're two games out of first place and hold the sixth seed in the NFC playoffs right now. So I just. I, I, so I, I I did not like that earlier this week. McCarthy going out there and saying, "Yeah, we're going to win this game." I'm not too sure about that. About that, Mike. You know, you guys did get swept by Washington the season before, and Washington's a feisty bunch who plays great defense. 
and uh, and uh, loves being underestimated and loves uh, and loves a good challenge and loves being betted against. You know, this is a team that uh, you know nobody expected them to uh, to beat Tampa, and they went out there and they gave Brady fits all afternoon. Uh, you know, held that high-flying uh, Raider offense, which had a field day against the Cowboys on Thanksgiving, went into their building and only held them to about what 15 points. So, so you be, be careful because your mouth, because your mouth is gonna is is gonna is gonna write and could write a check that you're behind can't cash. So, very cautious if you're McCarthy and the Cowboys. You know, doing all this uh, gyrating and and. Uh, and, and in essence, pregame taunting before the game before the game even starts, and I expect Washington to internalize that, take the Michael Jordan approach, you know, and I took that personally and go out there and show the Cowboys. You know, we forget again. Washington swept to Dallas last season. Let's not forget that as well. Let's not forget that. And again, and 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 in the in the final stretch, you know, we got week 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. Fighting about what final five weeks in the NFL season, Washington plays Dallas twice. A game, no, two games out for the first, for for the division lead in the NFC East, and they currently hold a playoff spot. And their defense all of a sudden is, is playing up to their potential without Chase Young, mind you, and is playing absolutely phenomenal football. And Chase Young is, or is Chase Young, and uh, Tyler Taylor. Heineke is playing inspired football. Is playing inspired football. Not to mention throwing a little Antonio Gibson, who's been able to run the football tremendously well for Washington as well. All I'm saying is be careful. And you know, and and this is and and historically, this is the type of game that Washington, they're not Washington, that Dallas finds finds ways to lose. These are games that Washington finds ways to, and if, and if you watch them against New Orleans about ten about ten about uh, eight days ago at the at the time of this uh, recording, if you if you watch how they played against the Saints in their in the previous Thursday night game, in the last game they played early parts of a week thir- in the earlier parts of week thirteen, you know they 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 wanted wanted the Saints to win that game. They kept the Saints in that game with so many self-inflicted mistakes at so many points in time, especially later in the second half. They kept the Saints in that game so many times. It was not. It wasn't even. It wasn't even funny how many times they kept the Saints in that game longer than they should have. Instead of seeing the Saints as a bad football team, injured a Helen back and Taysom Hill is not a uh, starting quarterback. Any is is not a. Uh, is not at a starting quarterback level in this league, you know. Instead of taking that and saying, you know what, this team's trash, just go out there and put them away. They they kept the they kept the Saints lingering and lingering and lingering and lingering along, way too long. They should have put the coup de gras, the stake through them. As you know, uh, when I forget the sequence, I forget the sequence, uh, chapter and verse. But as soon as uh, the first. Uh, Saint either turnover or their first little mis- miscue that you thought was going to be the end that was going to you know be a f- uh, all, you know uh, f- good night farewell for the Saints that Thursday night. As soon as that first mistake, that first miscue was made, Cowboys sh- Cowboys should have took it to him and say, you know what, GG Saints, and put the stake through him and said enough's enough and said good night. 
and they didn't, which also would concern me if I'm a Dallas Cowboy fan as well. Uh, and, you know, Dak Prescott, you know, you can have him. Uh, at least, you know, a little overrated. My opinion, but I, 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 I many a times find him to be a little overrated myself. And, again, I don't like the whole uh, guarantee motif coming from the head coach. Uh, they, you got Buffalo going up against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And the Bills coming off of that Monday night victory in which their defense was downright embarrassed, getting up over 200 rushing yards, 46 carries from the New England Patriot offensive attack. Short week coming off of the Monday night game. Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills offense has to play tremendously better. Uh, Josh Allen has to limit the mistakes, not try to force the ball downfield a whole hell of a lot. Um, and essentially, you have no, because your running game is just so bad, you can't even give it the time of day. Your, your sole running game is Josh Allen running the football. That, 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 in essence, is the Buffalo Bills running game. If Josh Allen isn't running the football, especially inside the red zone, I, I shouldn't see Buffalo run, running the football not, not one time unless they're, unless they're in a quarter defense where, where, where Tampa's line up where they have virtually no linebackers and no defensive linemen in the box. Other than that, they, the, other than that Josh Allen's got to be heaving that ball downfield to Emmanuel Sanders, Cole Beasley, Stephon Diggs. And taking off running on quarterback draws and read options. Because that's the only running game that the Buffalo Bills have in essence. Because their running game is just downright atrocious. And then from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers side of things. You know with with Brady and the boys. Uh, you know run the ball in Leonard Fournette. Who, who you know and you notice a theme with Brady. He loves the running backs coming out of the backfield. That have the ability to catch the football. And get huge chunk plays out of it. You know, you know, Sony Michelle, James White, uh, Corey Dillon uh, back in the day with in his early days with the Patriots, uh, and now uh, and now Leonard Fournette with the Bucks. Who you got to worry about him in the passing game, trying to shut him down and neutralize his effect on the offense in the passing game coming out of the backfield, and also find a way to stop him as he's had a phenomenal last couple of weeks running the football coming out of the backfield for uh, Tampa Bay. Uh, as well, and from a Tampa Bay defensive side of things, forced Josh Allen to make the big mistake. Forced him to make the big mistake, come after him a little bit with your pass rush, and 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 uh, and the Bucks should win should uh, should win this game, uh, no problem. And then of course with my Cincinnati Bengals and the San Francisco 49ers, from a Bengals perspective, here's what they got to do. Now you look at the injury report for Cincinnati in this game. Uh, and look, Joe Mixon, Joe Mixon, Higgins, Burrow, of course, looks like will be will be uh, all systems go for them. Burrow trying to uh, manage the dislocated pig, uh, pinky that uh, dislocated pinky that he had or that he suffered in their loss against the Chargers on Sunday. Uh, Mixon looks uh, Mixon per excuse me per, per Zach Taylor looks like should be a go uh, should be a go. Uh, a woozy, uh, a should be, uh, should be, uh, you know, it's at this point in time is questionable. See Higgins should be a go per Zach Taylor. Uh, Debo Samuel is uh questionable with a, uh, is questionable at this point in time with a, uh, with a groin, with a groin injury. Cannon, Greenlaw, Hurst are all out. Deontay Johnson also questionable. Uh, as well, that's your injury report. 
uh, for the game. Burrow, of course, will give it a go with the uh, pink, with the dislocated pinky injury uh, for uh, for Cincinnati on Sunday. This is a game that uh, both that both teams have to have. Both teams coming off of bad losses. Uh, 49ers road. Forty uh, Niners a uh, a road loss to the Seahawks last week. A bad loss for them and their playoff hopes. Currently sitting at six and six. Uh, the Bengals are currently sitting at seven and five. They're three and three at home this season. San Francisco's four and two away from uh, away from Levi Stadium. Bengals coming off a bad loss against uh, against the Chargers. Uh, this is a game the Bengals have to have. And from a Cincinnati, excuse me, from a Cincinnati Bengals perspective, this is a game the Bengals have to have. They got to be able to run the football effectively and early on. Set the tone. Uh, set the tone and win the battle at the line of scrimmage. Joe Burrow has to limit the turnovers, not fumble. You know, he's gone three games in a row in which he's fumbled the football. Can't have a fourth if you if you expect to win this game. Has to limit the fumbles, limit the turnovers in general, including including the interceptions. He leads the NFL. I don't know if you guys realize this or not, or know this or not. He leads the NFL with 14 interceptions this season. Can't have it. You can't. You cannot win divisions. You can't win games. You can't make the playoffs and go far in the playoffs with the quarterback turning over the football on a consistent game and game out basis. You, I love Joey B. Happy Happy twenty fifth birthday to him. Twenty five years old, December uh, December tenth December tenth. Excuse me, nineteen ninety six. But you but you can't turn over the football. You just can't. You just can't. And 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 when you're going up against a team. That you know shows a little moxie and shows a little bit of uh, toughness and and knocks you around a little bit in the earlier stages of the game. You can't curl up into a ball and essentially allow allow them to dominate you. A lo- mixed in with mixed in with uh, with turnover the football and self inflicted mistakes with with stupid asinine undisciplined penalties. If if the Forty Nine ers start the game and the, and you know. And they uh, and they send a message that they're not here to, that they're not here to uh, make friends that they're here to kick ass and take names and they're here to uh, to to win this football game and knock you around by by any means necessary then you, then you have to have a perfect rebuttal punch as a response and, and and prove to them early not 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 late second quarter not early third quarter early first quarter punch right back. Hypothetically speaking, and and prove to them that you don't mean biz- that you that you mean business that that you ain't here to play around either. Don't get punched in the mouth and you know go down for the count for the knockout, or go into the quarter and curl up and curl up into the fetal position and sit there and just die. No 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 no. That's not what playoff teams are made of. Playoff teams get off the deck. Find ways to win and don't wait until the eleventh hour to do so either. Limit the self-inflicted mistakes, the turnovers, the penalties. Play championship football, guys. It's there for the taking. And right now, with the schedule that you guys have, you can't afford. You re- you realistically cannot afford another loss the re- the rest of the way. You can't. You 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 shouldn't have lost a Charger game. And uh, and and you know the losses to to and I said it early in the week. Have a fe- I have a bad feeling that your losses to the Jets and the Bears may come back may come back to bite you. Hope and pray that it doesn't, but I have a, but I have a weird feeling that it might. 
and and how you prevent and ha- and how you prevent that is you go out there in these next five games and you win every single one of them. Niners at home, Denver on the road. Denver is is re- now and Denver is a scrappy competitive bunch too, but they're the only quote unquote winnable game that is on that's that's essentially left on the Bengals schedule. And playing Denver, I, I can imagine, won't be easy. On the road, no less. Their 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 first road game since uh, their first road game since the twenty first of November, the Sunday before Thanksgiving, when they went out to Vegas. But go out there and put together a five game win streak, and it starts with San Francisco. Start with San Francisco. Punch Denver in the mouth. Come back home, sweep the Ravens, uh, make you know, make my holiday season by making Brittany Matthews and Jackson Mahomes eat crap uh, when you play Kansas City at home the second day of the new year of the new calendar year, and you go out there and you try to split Cleveland by beating them in Cleveland on January 9th. That's how you handle business, boys. That's how you handle it. And the Rams and the Cardinals with a Monday night game, which should be an absolute doozy. Rams trying to avoid getting swept by the Cardinals this season. Uh, you know, Cardinals still getting their feet under them. DeAndre Hopkins, Kyler Murray were back and better than ever and were in full effect, high-flying against the inept Chicago Bears last week. They return They return as the team returns home to Glendale this season. It's funny, Cardinals are only Cardinals are undefeated on the road this season. They are they are a mere three and two at State Farm Stadium in Glendale uh, this season. Their only two losses have came uh, at home in front of their home crowd so far uh, in this 2021 campaign. Going up against the Rams, you know their their win against the Jaguars means nothing. Let me see let me see that the Rams are are back to be taken seriously as a big time contender in the NFC by going out there and avoiding getting swept by the Cardinals. Let me let me let me see that defense show up. Let me see that defense neutralize Colin Murray, the rushing attack with James Conner, shut down DeAndre Hopkins, and let's see Matthew Stafford limit the turnovers, no pick sixes, and go out there and beat the Cardinals, you know, 31-17. Something like that. The, the the Jaguar game for the Rams means nothing. Let me see them go out there and not just beat, dominate the Rams. On the road. In on the road in in uh, the Cardinals building on Monday Night Football, and and no turnovers, no pick sixes either. Matthew Stafford, no drops from Odell Beckham Jr., no miscommunication, none of that nonsense. Go out there, have put put up thirty plus points, and shut down the Cardinals and keep them from scoring twenty or more points. That's what I want to see on Monday Night, which should be a hell of a game. Hell of a game. Okay. That's your week 14 preview. Your week 14 picks to close out the program. The Amatelica TIS podcast. Welcome back to the Amatelica TIS podcast. It's that time. Week 14 in the National Football League. As we head towards the end of the program. Week 14 in the NFL. It's pick time in a league where they play. Four. Pay.
Game number one between the Cleveland Browns and the Baltimore Ravens. Cleveland's favored by a field goal in that game. Both teams, Ravens are 8-4, and four, Cleveland Browns are 6-6. Six and six. Give me the Cleveland Browns to win this game by the final score of 27-10. to 10. My Cincinnati Bengals going up against the San Francisco 49ers. 49ers are favoring minus one and a half. They are six and six coming off of their road loss against the Seattle Seahawks. My Cincinnati Bengals are seven and five in a game that they must win. Give me my Cincinnati Bengals to pull this one out by the final score of 28 to 25. San Francisco favorite minus one and a half. Jacksonville Jaguars are two and ten going up against the eight and four Tennessee Titans. Titans favored minus eight and a half points. Give me the Tennessee Titans to win this game by the final score of 35 to 10. The Las Vegas Raiders taking on the Kansas City Chiefs. Chiefs are favored minus 10 points in this game. Vegas lost to a loss to Washington by a field goal last week. Kansas City coming off of their Sunday night home victory against the Denver Broncos. Kansas City is going to have nine wins. You blink, and you know Kansas City looks like it was going to be left for dead. Now they're going to have nine wins by the end of Sunday. Giving the Kansas City Chiefs to win this game by the final score of uh, 35 to three. The New York, or excuse me, the uh, New Orleans Saints going up against the New York Jets. Jets are three and nine. Saints are five and seven. Saints favored minus five and a half. Give me the New Orleans Saints coming off of their Thursday night loss in Week 13 against the New York, or not the New York, against the Dallas Cowboys. Give me the New Orleans Saints to win this game by the final score of 28 to 17. Dallas Cowboys going up against the Washington team. Dallas favorite minus four and a half, having coming off of the aforementioned victory over the Saints in their uh, last game on Thursday night, week 13. Washington coming off of their three-point victory over the Raiders in Vegas last Sunday. Give me the Dallas, excuse me, give me the Washington team to pull off the upset against the Dallas Cowboys by the final score of 24 to 21. Atlanta Falcons are 5 and 7 taking on the 5 and 7 Carolina Panthers Carolina's favorite minus 2 and a half Panthers coming off of the bye week last time out they did not show up against the Miami Dolphins Atlanta lost last time out at home to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers give me the Panthers to win this game by the final score of 21 to 19 Seattle Seahawks are four and eight going against the two and ten Houston Texans. Seattle's favorite minus eight and a half. Give me the Seattle Seahawks to win this game by the final score of thirty-one to ten. The Denver Broncos take on the Detroit Lions. Lions won their first game of uh, what nearly a whole calendar year, first game of the twenty twenty-one season. Uh, going up against uh, they, of course, uh, uh, against the Vikings last week. Denver six and six, coming off of their Sunday night loss to the Kansas City Chiefs. De- Denver's favorite minus ten and a half. Give me the De- give me the Detroit Lions win their second game in a row by the final score of twenty one to fourteen. The New York Football Giants going up against the Los Angeles Chargers. Chargers beat my Bengals last time out. They're ten point favorites. Giants are four and eight, uh, are just raveling and reeling into the further into the abyss, coming off of their loss to the Miami Dolphins last week. Give me the 
Los Angeles Chargers to win this game by double digits by the final score of 35 to 13. Buffalo Bills taking on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tampa's 9-3 coming off of their road victory against uh, the Atlanta Falcons last week. Buffalo coming off of the uh, demoralizing and uh, rather embarrassing, to be quite honest with you, Monday Night Football home loss to the Patriots in the elements. Uh, hopefully there will be no bad weather down in uh, warm, sunny Tampa on Sunday. That's the 425 game of the week on CBS. Tampa's favorite minus three and a half. Give me the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to win this game by the final score of 24 to 21. And the Chicago Bears taking on the Green Bay Packers. Green Bay's favorite minus 12 and a half. Packers are just going to just beat the living hell out of uh, the Bears on Sunday night. Game's going to be over by the end of the first quarter. Give it to Green Bay Packers to win this game. An absolute shootout by the final score of 42-17. to And the Monday night football game that will be between of the NFC West variety between the Los Angeles Rams, who are 8-4, and four, coming off of their beatdown at home against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Arizona beat the Chicago Bears and Kyler Murray's and DeAndre Hopkins return up at Soldier Field last week. At, or excuse me, Arizona's 10-2, trying to hold on to the number one spot in the AFC. Their favorite minus 2.5. Give me the Arizona Cardinals to win this game and a close one by the final score of 31-2. 28 and those are your week 14 picks against the spread and that is another episode of the i'm tell i can tell you is podcast in the books if you are brand new to the program and you like what you heard please do not hesitate to, to subscribe leave a review if you're listening on apple Podcasts. listen to the poll question of the episode available exclusively on a spotify app Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the J Shield. The show on Instagram at Amatella underscore podcast and the show on Twitter at Amatella underscore ATIS. Enjoy the NFL football this weekend. Y'all stay safe. Y'all take care. I will talk to you next week. See you.